0: Two years, I'd seen a lot, but I came back to New York City and you know, my heart was completely broken. I, I wish I had more time to tell you the amazing work I saw happening. I was also broke, so nightclub promoters do not understand the concept of saving money. So I was living on a friend's couch, but what I'd seen over the couple years, there was a deep responsibility to do something about it, and I knew that I was going to dedicate the rest of my life to service. And that started with, with water.
1: That's Scott Harrison And this is The Depression Detox Show Hello Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Thursday. I'm thankful for you tuning in with me today as we have a great talk today that I hope will inspire you to go out and do something amazing, no matter how big or how small, because that's exactly what our newest featured speaker and charity founder is doing. He actually turned his entire life around and he is on a mission to help millions of people in need of this one vital resource. Here's Scott Harrison. Enjoy.
0: I grew up a a pretty good kid. I mean, I was helping to take care of mom uh, life suddenly changed. I was an only child. Family planning stopped. And then uh, at 18, uh, like so many bad cliches, I rebel. And I uh, start looking out for number one. I grow my hair long. I join a band. I move to New York City to do all of the things I was not allowed to do growing up. Now, our band immediately breaks up because we hate each other. But I, I learned that there is this job in New York City where you can get paid to drink alcohol for a living, It's called a nightclub promoter. All you have to do is get the right beautiful people into nightclubs. And you could charge them $500 for a bottle of champagne, $16 for a cocktail. So the next 10 years of my life just flashed by. I mean, there are entire years I don't remember. This is a, a snapshot of me at 28. And this photo just shows the horrible condition of my soul. I am holding out the Rolex watch. So the photographer notices I own an expensive watch looked kind of glamorous. If you ran into me at five or six in the morning, uh, it was a lot darker. By this time, I'd picked up every single vice you'd ever heard of, and then some maybe you haven't even heard of. 28 years old. Uh, I'm on a, a beach in Punta de Este, Uruguay. I'm on the perfect vacation. I should be happy. I have a Rolex. I have a BMW. I have a beautiful girlfriend. I make great money. And I realized, man, I am the, I'm the worst person I know. I am the most selfish, sycophantic, morally bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt. And uh, to borrow the the theme of the conference, I I took some time to to rethink and and to, to reset. So I asked myself, you know, what would the exact opposite of my life look like? Spent all this time serving myself. What would it actually look like to serve others? Started volunteering to humanitarian organizations. And to my surprise, I was denied by every single one. They're like, we're serious people. You get people drunk for a living. Thankfully, one said yes, and I wound up actually going to Liberia. I volunteered to be a photographer, a photojournalist, and uh, went to a country I'd never even heard of right after the Civil War ended. Did a two-year tour with a bunch of humanitarians, and as I started taking pictures in the city, I saw people living in this post-war environment. No electricity, no running water, no sewage, no mail. People living in houses without roofs, without windows. But then when I got into the rural villages, I saw people drinking dirty water for the first time, and that shocked me more than anything that I'd seen. I couldn't imagine getting water from a swamp, from a pond, from a river, and we saw this time and time again. Unfortunately for me, I saw that there was a solution. There was one volunteer, and he was working with the local communities to tap into the clean groundwater 40 feet beneath the villages where people were dying from bad water. He would take me back a couple months later when the project was finished and I could drink clean water a stone's throw away from the swamp. Two years I'd seen a lot, but I came back to New York City and my heart was completely broken. I I wish I had more time to tell you the amazing work I saw happening. I was also broke, so nightclub promoters do not understand the concept of saving money. So I was living on a friend's couch, but what I'd seen over the couple of years, there was a deep responsibility to do something about it. And I knew that I was going to dedicate the rest of my life to service. And that started with, with water. Now, I can stand up here and give you a bunch of stats. I can tell you 800 million people don't have water right now. I can tell you 5,000 kids will die today drinking bad water. I can tell you that 40 billion hours are wasted in Africa just fetching water every single year. But over the last years, I've traveled over 15 countries, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rural villages. And I put faces and names to the water crisis. Met kids like John Bosco, 15 years old. And if you were with me, you'd watch him come out and get water like this, take it home and give it to his his brothers and his sisters. As you can imagine, water like this is, is filled with disease, some diseases you might have heard of, some maybe you haven't heard of. Maybe you're wondering what water like that would look like under a microscope, like I did. Looks like this. It's alive. Literally replicating with parasites and amoeba. I learned that there were solutions that we knew how to actually give every single person in the world clean water. There was no silver bullet, and if you tried to jam one solution down everyone's throat, it would not work. Sometimes you could build a biosand filter for almost 60 bucks. And take dirty water like this and turn it into water that you or I could drink. And in fact, I did. Sometimes you could hand dig a well for about $5,000. You could drill wells. You could protect the rain. And water, when when it was brought into communities, we saw it transform communities. We say water changes everything. It brings health into communities. Kids stop dying of diarrhea from completely preventable diseases. Kids actually get time back. Women will tell us that they'll use the extra time to start small businesses, earning an extra 50 cents or a dollar a day, getting three, four, sometimes five hours back a day. Some some of the moms just tell us we're, we're just better moms. We spend more time with our kids. Tons of data about water making people healthier. What I loved about it was it was just, it was provable. It was measurable. And it was inarguable, right? There's no one in this room right now that thinks that child should be drinking the water on the left. No one. We learned that water instead of also made people wealthier. It made them healthier, but it made them wealthier. UN published an 88-page paper saying every dollar invested in water and sanitation returns 4 to $12 to the local economy. But what was I going to do about it? I was a, a, a club kid, a broke club kid. Well, I'll take you back to the, the founding moment of Charity Water six and a half years ago. On a couch, I just started... And if you talked to me back then, I was going to tell you I was going to do two things before I died. I was going to see the water crisis ended. I believe we should live in a world where everybody has something so basic, something I'd taken for granted my whole life. And I also would have told you that I wanted to reinvent giving, reinvent the way people gave, the way they thought about charity, because it was broken. I'll talk about this for a second. When I, when I talked to my friends, I would hear time and time again, Scott. I don't give money to charity, they're just black holes. I don't know where my money goes. I don't know how much actually gets to the people. I can't see any results. And I thought a a new disruptive model could maybe solve for that. I had three big ideas. One was just to use 100% of the public's donations at all times to directly fund water projects. Use every single penny. Open up two bank accounts and said somehow we will find another group of people to pay for the staff and the overhead. We'd even pay back credit card fees. $6 would reach the field. $6,000, $600,000, every single penny. The second was use technologies to show people where their money went. And for us, that was simple. Handheld GPS devices were 100 bucks. So for two AA batteries and $100, we could put every single water project up on Google Maps and Google Earth. So people could see exactly where the money was going. And we've done that from day one. And the third thing was I wanted to build a brand. Charities, at least in America, were so bad at this. They had the worst websites. They were so bad at telling the story. And I thought, you know, if we were going to solve a problem this big, you know, we would need to create an epic brand that rivaled the, the Googles, the Apples, the Nikes of the world. And you just needed really good taste and a couple talented designers. So it started with a party. The only thing I knew how to do was go back into the nightclubs I got 700 people out. I gave them all open bar, charged them $20 at the door. But this time, I didn't keep the money. I took the money to a refugee camp in northern Uganda, where 31,000 people lived. And we, we built three wells. We fixed three wells. And then we proved it. We sent all 700 people the photos and the GPS so they could see exactly what their $20 had accomplished. And they were blown away. They never expected to hear from the charity again. And we said, let's just keep doing that on repeat until this problem is solved. Over the last six years, we've raised just shy of $100 million now. We've gotten over 400,000 people around the world involved. And most importantly, we've been able to give 3 million people access to clean water in 20 countries around the world. Right now, over 1,000 locals are working on charity water projects. My last few minutes, I'm going to talk about a couple things that worked. It's been a growth story. We averaged 63% growth over the first six years. Let me tell you, charities do not typically grow like this. In fact, in America, giving was net negative over that time. People were laying off parts of their workforce. But this new way of thinking about giving, this new way seemed to work. People were responding. I'll talk about a couple of those things that have worked. One We gave our story away. Instead of just asking people for money, we tried to inspire people and ask them to go get their networks involved, their friends, their family. One of the simplest ways was to ask people to give up their birthday. We said, don't throw a party. Don't ask for gifts. You don't need anything. 800 million people don't even have clean water. Ask for your age in dollars or pounds or euros. Saw a seven-year-old kid go out and raise $22,000 asking for $7 from everyone he knew. 16-year-old girls raised $5,000, 89-year-olds giving up their birthday, writing really beautiful mission statements. You know, Nona realized she lived twice as long as the average life expectancy in so many of these countries where we were working. Our birthdays so people could have more birthdays. We used data to connect people. Because every single dollar was never touched, it existed in a vacuum. We tagged it and we showed people where it went. So when Maggie's birthday was over, we created this product called Dollars to Projects. And she could see exactly where every penny went. She could see photos, GPS of the projects, learn how many people lived in these villages. She could see her name on a sign or a plaque in the actual village. She could cruise around on Google Maps, on Google Earth, learn more about the area. And then every single donor, even if they gave a dollar, got a direct accounting for every single dollar, every penny, and they got to see where that went. As we look forward, we've got big goals. Three million people is, is a lot if you try to fill up stadiums and make yourself feel good, but we're after 800 million people. So we put a stake in the ground at 100 million people. We figure if we do that, maybe we make our local paper back in New York. We're giving ourselves 10 years to do this, and we think that as we put knowledge into the communities, as new jobs are created, we're actually able to do much, much more. So Eric, Eric Schmidt had challenged the room yesterday. He said, "You know, help the two billion connected connect to the other five billion. I I'd challenge you, if you're interested in water, if you have ideas for us, if you have questions, help us help the 100 million people and then keep going. We have an amazing team. And we will continue to fight until every single person on this planet has clean water to drink.
1: Big thanks to Scott Harrison for stopping by. If you'd like to connect with him and all the wonderful work that he's doing, you can go to his website, charitywater.org. That is also his Instagram and YouTube. And the latest book that he has authored is entitled Thirst, a story of redemption, compassion, and a mission to bring clean water to the world. And I got this clip from YouTube. It is entitled I realized I'm the worst person I know, Scott Harrison, Google Zeitgeist, and I have all the ways to connect with him and his work that will all be in the show description below along with today's, a link to today's entire talk. All right. That is a wrap for me. I hope you have a, a memorable rest of your day and I will see you back here tomorrow. So until then, stay strong. Later.